Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. So before we get into today's episode, which is just like a warm bath, I wanted to let you know that the Divorce Survival Program is now open for enrollment for everyone. And this program is, you know, I think as I've said to you a number of times, it is a labor of love that I've been working on for years. I can't tell you how grateful I am to my friends and colleagues and guest experts who have joined me, Susan Guthrie, Christina McGee, Sean Lehman, Rhonda Nordyke, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. I, I could go on and on and on. All, you know, there's so many amazing guest experts. And um, but it's not just the guest experts, it's also me. <laughs> so it has 23 videos of just me giving you the information, your most frequently asked questions answered. As I've said, the culmination of years of my work um, put into one place, and it is one-stop shopping for getting all of your questions answered about how to navigate this divorce process from legal to financial to emotional healing, and most importantly, making decisions that will keep your children at the center of all of your decisions and never put them in the middle. And you know that is my goal always. The program is open for enrollment right now if you go to divorcesurvivalprogram.com or click the link in the show notes or go to my website and click on getting divorced all sorts of um, ways that you can find this you can buy it now uh, it is open for enrollment it is 497 dollars it is unbelievably low priced um, and there's a payment plan as well so it will save you tons of money in the process, let me tell you, it is worth so much more than the $500 that I'm charging for it. But I'm doing that because I think it's that important for you to have this information. So now on to today's episode. Today I have with me um, Michelle Kenny. She is, <laughs> I love her bio. She's a divorced mom of two daughters, 12 and 15. She's a recovering yeller, control freak, and perfectionist turned connective parenting coach. Like I said, this conversation with Michelle is like a warm bath. When you're talking to somebody who basically does empathy for a living, it just kind of... Man, it just grounds you. It brings you down, puts things in perspective. I am so grateful that we got to have this conversation. And, you know, it's also important to me to have parenting conversations with people who are actually also divorced, so who've experienced this, right? 
And so I'm really excited to bring you my conversation today with Michelle Kenny. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and talking about peaceful parenting. <laughs> Yeah. It's so, so easy. It's an, it's an easy job. Oh my God, it's so easy. <laughs> but like, just even saying it is just like, oh, maybe I'm saying that because I have a 16 year old. Oh, me too. I'm right there with you. 15 and a half. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And then add like divorce and changes in, you know, family structures and, you know, the additional emotional upheaval that's not just, you know, having a, having a teenager or having kids, right? Like at any stage. Right. And you have your own upheaval and then you have to deal with their upheaval. And how do you regulate your own upheaval to be there for their upheaval? And yeah, it becomes that. very hard. How do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> you run away. You just, you just you exit go to- stage left. <laughs> you go to Mexico. Bye. See y'all. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. So yeah, my ex's wife and I actually joke about that all the time. We're like, can we go to Mexico now? Can we just run away? Can we just leave? <laughs> Parenting's too hard. It really is divorce or not. Parenting's just a lot. It's a big job. It's a big ask. It is. And it's so, so, okay. I, I feel like that's like a, like a can of worms right there. Like it's yeah. a big ask. Is it now? Like, did it, was it always a big ask? Well, I think it's always been a big ask and it's definitely a big ask now if you're trying to do it, quote unquote, right. If you're trying to do it with some sort of, you know, consciousness with some sort of dignity, which with some sort of thought of what the children are feeling or thinking, as opposed to my parents who got divorced and were just like, you guys are going to be our, we're just going to drag you right through everything. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Same thing. So, yeah, I think now it is different. You know, we're, we're expected to, you know, be thoughtful. So what is peaceful parenting? Let's just start. Yeah. So peaceful parenting is conscious parenting, connective parenting. I'm, I'm trained in connective parenting through hand in hand parenting. And it's all the idea that we, we really focus on the relationship with the children and that's what gives us the peace in our home. And we focus on our behavior as opposed to focusing on their behavior. And when we focus on our behavior, we get movement with their behavior because it comes all top down. And so how do we interact with our kids using connection as opposed to using punitivity, as opposed to using reprimands and threats and yelling and all those things that we don't really want to do, but we sometimes don't know what else to do. Right. Sure. Sure. And that's really hard when you are in, right. Sort of, well, I guess what I, you know, when you're, when you're in your own emotional upheaval, like, as we said, right. It feels like, like an ideal that we would love to achieve, right. Like it right. would be really simple if we could just like, you know, go to the ashram every weekend and reset and like come back all completely Zen and all right. But we don't live in that world. Most of us don't have that privilege. And then there's, the emotional upheaval of getting divorced our own right so how do we how do we do that when it's our own lives are so destabilized we first of all we do our best mm-hmm. we expect that there's going to be a mistake and we expect the human humanness of it and that when we do make mistakes we apologize and that it's okay to make mistakes and that we're not going to be chastised if we yell because we're at our wits end that we make amends and we move through that and we 
we expect our kids to forgive us just how we are going to forgive our kids when they make mistakes. And it's okay. It's not perfect, but we just strive to do better. That's it. It's, but we don't chastise ourselves. Yeah. Just as we don't like, if we're, if we're seeking to not be punitive with our children, we can't be punitive with ourselves. <laughs> That's right. And then hopefully they're not going to be punitive with us, you know, so it's all everyone's giving forgiveness and that's all right. And we just try to do our very, very best. And I love the idea that we are uh, of, of making amends to our children, right? That's something that I don't think, I think most of us who are adults today never experienced a parent coming and saying, I got that wrong and I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Because that would be shameful if you did something wrong like that. You'd have to endure shame. Or and we're parents. You know, no. So because there's a power dynamic, it doesn't matter. Your feelings right. in the matter don't matter. And that goes back to the whole idea is like, yeah, we're doing it differently now. We have we we have an obligation to apologize. And that feels different than what we experienced as kids. And that's hard. It's hard to be that humble. It is. It is. And it's and it can be scary because it's it's like being vulnerable with your kid, letting your kid know that you made a mistake when you're kind of the one be supposed to be the one who knows how what it knows what's yeah. happening. Yeah, I think that's it too. Like admitting, like I, I'm just I'm figuring this out. I'm figuring this divorce thing out. I'm figuring this parenting thing out. I'm just I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm sorry, I'm not gonna do it right all yeah. the time. When you say sort of parenting from connectivity, like what does that mean? The real essence of it is, is that when a kid isn't doing well, they're in their limbic system, their emotional core of their brain. And so they're not in their reasoning part of their brain, their prefrontal cortex. So they're kind of, you know, they're emotionally unstable when they're having a hard time, when they're lashing out and they're being mean, saying unkind things, being unkind to their brother or sister, whatever it is, they're not doing well. And conventional parenting says in those moments, you should punish, you should send a time out, you should reprimand, you should correct, you should do all these things to get your child to stop with the behavior you don't like. What connective parenting says is that, how can I get my kid's prefrontal cortex, the reasoning, thinking brain back online? And how I do that with connection, I do that with kindness, I do that with love. So let's say a little kid is acting out and being unkind, can you, instead of saying you need to go to timeout, can you say, looks like you're having a hard time. Do you need a hug? That's connection. And so replacing punishment and, and all those punitive measures with connective acts. Mm -hmm. And what if they're like, no. <laughs> yeah. And they might say, they might say, no, I don't want to hug. And you say, oh, I understand. I'm right here. It seems like you're having a hard time. Now you come with empathy. Can I have empathy for this child who's having a hard time? Can I be with them while they're having a hard time as opposed to contributing to their hard time? Yeah. A lot of my uh, listeners are co-parenting with people who are emotionally abusive, who are yeah. punitive. Like that is their MO, full disclosure, so am I. And so how do you, first of all, is it safe to divorce and to you know have two homes or whatever, right? And leave a child in a punitive situation. Like, is it confusing? I think a lot of people are wondering if it's confusing. And I think we have that dynamic even in married homes, right? We have one parent that might be more connective and one that might be more punitive. And definitely in all parenting, co-parenting, you know, scenarios, married or divorced or separated or whatever, you often have people who are parenting in different yep. ways. 
So I don't know if divorce necessarily is the only place where that exists, Totally, but it most certainly probably exists more often in divorce because you do have two different houses that are doing two totally different things. But I, and psychologists will say this, you need one good connected, you know, caretaker to be a functioning human being to do well, to be well-adjusted. And I would say, what's your choice? You're going to say, oh, my 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 co-parent over there is doing punitive measures, so I'm going to do it too, because just because they are, and I don't want to do this connective stuff because they're doing punitive stuff. Well, that doesn't seem like a really good reason to stick into the punitivity. I, I would say like, I would do my best to keep my side of the street as clean as possible with my child and my relationship with my kid. Yeah. I think most people wouldn't, I think that my listeners certainly wouldn't be like, oh no, I should be punitive because he's punitive, but they might say I should stay Mm -hmm. because then I can sort of Shield. shield or mitigate or whatever. I don't know that that shielding though is creating an additional conflict, an additional rift that we don't necessarily want our kids to be privy mm. to. You know, that, you know, now they're seeing the the punitive nature of their their parent and they're seeing this major conflict between the parents, which they might hold themselves accountable for, because now they're feeling like, oh, my parents are having this additional conflict because of something I've done. And my mom or dad is having to come to my aid. Right. And so is that creating more conflict? Whereas if you just separated would it be easier to have a, at least a calm place for your kids some of the time right. and letting go of that punitive stuff because it would probably exist anyway. Cause even 50, even having a one, you know, I always say like having one soft place to land, even yeah. just one, even if it's only 50% of the time. Yeah. Right. And are you creating then no soft places, right? Because is this place that you think you're, you know, you're trying to mitigate this conflict. Are you creating a place that also isn't soft? That's right. How do you talk to kids about this, this, you know, work or like older kids, right? I mean, I think that there's, there's different, we've got, you know, young, young kids, there's ways to talk to young kids about things. And then there's, then there's like, like us with our teenagers. I mean, about the divorce, you mean in yeah, general? Yeah, sure. Like, and like, and maybe differences in parenting or maybe, you know, they start to notice things. Yeah. I try to be as honest, especially with the older kids, as honest as I can without, you know, throwing either my spouse or my ex-spouse under the bus, you know, not really just saying this is the way mommy likes to do it. And, and this feels good for me. And if they ask questions, being as honest as I can without, you know, throwing shade to my, my parenting partner. I don't want to, you know, because that will also come back to you too. They will, they notice that. And so can you give the, be honest without being too honest, <laughs> you know, can you say we're doing it this way? Cause it feels good. Yeah. What are some of the issues that you see in the divorce space? Yeah. I mean, often I have, I've worked in divorce in so many different ways. I've been hired by attorneys. I've been hired by the courts. I've been hired by the actual parents. And the biggest thing I see is that the conflict ends up permeating into the relationship that the parents have with the kids. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find the most unfortunate part of divorce. And I'm divorced too. And so I get it. And I often want to be like, well, I don't know. Ask your dad, you know, like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> why we got divorced. Why don't you ask your dad? <laughs> you know, like, right. of course. And 
And we all have that because we're, you know, it's a hard situation to be in. But I think when we can try to leave, you know, the conflict away from the kids as much as possible, when we can try to just say, you know, we're sorry we put you in this situation. We didn't want to get divorced. And we're so sorry you have to go back and forth to each house. We're, and we're sorry it's hard. And we're sorry the holidays are are difficult. And I'm going to listen to your feelings and I'm going to be here with empathy and I'm going to be here with understanding. I'm going to try to keep the conflict away from you and just be your sounding board. I remember when my son was little, he's like, I used to say he's like Alex B. Keaton and he did go through period for you. It's like super smart. Right. And super like, yeah. doesn't he negotiate. He's a, he's a master negotiator and has been since he was two, like since he was verbal, he's been negotiating. I remember when I was younger doing a lot of, you know, nonviolent communication and empathy and like, yes, I, you know, I know it's hard. And his response was always then do it different. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I know it's, I know you don't want to X. I know you don't want to put your shoes on and leave the party. Then yeah. we're not going yeah. to. I know it's really hard and blah, blah, blah. Then don't do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Like he would take empathy as like, uh-huh. Right. You know it's hard. So what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. My older one does that. So and it's that they don't want to feel the pain. They don't want to feel the upset. They're scared of it. Mm. It's too much for them. It's dysregulating. And the empathy almost pushes them deeper into their feeling. And it's actually a great thing. We say, not we, I say, you try to almost push your kid into having a tantrum because tantrums help them offload the feelings that are stuck inside their psyche. Mm -hmm. And that if you can just push with even more empathy, it will push them into a tantrum, which is a good thing. Okay. That's really interesting. That's really, I mean, that's like really interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's our whole method. The whole connected parenting method is based on that idea that um, children should tantrum. I wish my 16 yeah. year old would tantrum. I know that's interesting. It becomes very difficult to get them to have their feelings when they're older. And it's all about when they're older, the complaining, I hate school. I don't want to do this. I hate the great Gatsby. I mean, I got it all morning this morning. It was like, oh, my phone isn't charged. And it's like, if I could just push her. So I'm like, I'm so sorry. It must be really hard. Yeah, it's hard. You don't understand. Just like your uh -huh. son. And if I get enough time with her, she will go super into her feelings. Interesting. And do you find this same, like, because boys are like, I feel like girls, like, I don't know, make up like teenage girls are just, you know, a little more emo <laughs> than teenage boys. Yeah. And I have a pretty emo boy, but he's not going to tip. They don't tip easily. The girls either. They really don't. And I think also societal society has said, you know, girls are more, it's most more socially acceptable to have your feelings if right. you're a girl right. than if you're yeah. a boy. And I think that has, you know, that plays a big part in boys not wanting to have their feelings. Abs I mean, a hundred percent, you know, yeah. my son has been raised by a mom, you know, by a feminist mom who has educated him on toxic masculinity <laughs> since was really yeah. young and you know and he's open yeah they'll get there you got to go deep into the empathy yeah. so interesting what do you say to a parent who is confused about let's you know things that happen at the other house right and you want to yeah. give empathy 
that line between throwing, not throwing the other parent under the bus, but also empathizing with their experience of their other parent. I mean, I've, I've had it where it's like, daddy did X, Y, and Z. I'm, and I would just say, I'm like, I'm sorry that happened. Sounds like it was hard for you guys. And just really validating their feelings. So if Esme said, oh, I'm, I'm so mad at him and blah, 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 blah. And I'd say, it seems like you're really mad. I totally understand. And just focusing on her and her feelings and that's it. And I don't have to agree. I don't even really care what the situation is because all I really care about is making sure she feels heard. Right. I'll get sometimes. Is that why you got divorced? (laughs) I'll be like, no. Yes. I don't know. What what do I say here? (laughs) I mean, mean, I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Ding ding yeah. ding ding ding. But, also- but it's like they already got it by just asking it, right? They don't need your confirmation. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'll sometimes say, like, I mean, that was sort of part of it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because I don't want to, I'm not going to, I don't want to gaslight because it feels like gaslighting if I'm going to, if I yes. deny um, that his experience of his other parent is a certain way that I, like, I, I I feel like I'm gaslighting him, right? Yeah. And I think that's true in all situations with our kids. You know, my daughter will come home and say, you know, my friend was so mean to me. She did this and X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. And and I always think too, in all these situations, ones with our ex-spouses and ones with our, our kids and their other experiences and like friends or teachers or whatever, it's like, we're getting our child's side of the story, <laughs> right? That's all we're getting. And so we don't know what's happened on the other side. I don't know what her friend, what she did to her friend, you know, two days ago, or I don't know the experience she had with her teacher. Did they have a bad interaction before? And now is it playing out in a different way? Like, I can't know all this. So I don't really care to get into the the details of the actual situation. That's for her as an older child to figure out. I just empathize with the feelings. Mm -hmm. Why is that so hard for us, Michelle? Because nobody did it for us. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't understand what empathy is because nobody empathized with us. It's literally like, it's so simple. <laughs> it's so simple. And yet it feels so wrong to tell someone there it's okay to have their feelings, no matter what. They no are. matter what they are, right? Because your feelings are yeah. valid because you're... Your feelings are valid. Just like I have a lot of clients will be like, well, I told my kid, it's not that bad that you have to go back and forth. You only go back and forth on Friday and Sunday and Friday and Sunday is not that big a deal. And we will buy you a toothbrush at this house. We'll buy you a toothbrush at that house. And then you don't have to. And I'm just like thinking, okay, just stop and just say, you know what? I'm sorry. You have to go back and forth. Mommy and daddy. No, we, we never wanted it to be like this. We're sorry. You have to go back and forth. I mean, sometimes I'm like watching my kid pack his stuff and he's pissed off about it. And I'm like, Right now, my, my son takes every ounce of clothing from his closet and he brings it back and forth this, you know, because it's important to him at this point to have all of his clothes. Everything. Right. And so he and he's fucking sick of it. I know they really are. They get sick of and it. And like, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do that. No, I wouldn't want to do that. But I also want you to go to your dad's house, please. <laughs> also, I need my week off. <laughs> yeah. So. So sorry, but I have a, you're you're leaving at five. I have plans at six. Okay, so let's. I get it twisted. Air everybody, you got to go. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Like because I know a lot of a lot of women like 
are like, I can't, I can't be without my kids. I can't. So sweet. I used to think that. I never thought that. (laughs) I used to think that. I used to think that. And then when they left, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I can breathe. Uh, Well, I also have a son. My son has very severe ADHD that, you know, from, from like when his kindergarten teacher came to me and was like, I think we need to have him evaluated. I was like, you mean this isn't normal? And she was like, no, honey, this is not. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> You're like, wait, there's a reason. Okay. I mean, it was like, it's, he, it's so intense. Parenting him has been exhausting. By the way, also the greatest pleasure and all of those things, because along with the ADHD comes some incredible gifts. And, you know, he's, he's a, a fucking genius and all sorts of stuff, but that's really hard. It's hard to raise a genius. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to raise highly, either highly sensitive or ADHD or highly emotional or kids who are, have difficult personalities are hard. So when yeah. he would go to his dad's, I would be like, oh my God, <laughs> like yeah. flat for uh-huh. like a day. Um, with mm-hmm. the exhaustion, because, you know, with divorce comes, you have to be a hundred percent on 50% of the time <laughs> and then yeah. you get to be a hundred percent off. But the, I know there's a lot of women who are like, I can't, I can't be without my children. Yeah. I get that. I think it's a hard adjustment. I think the first time my kids left, I cried, you know, I sat in my kitchen and I cried. My dad was there and he's like, it's going to be okay. I was like, no, it's not. They aren't just going to leave. What are they going to do when they're there? You know? And it's like, it's hard, but you, you adjust and you do make it through and they're okay too. And we're all very resilient and we all do adjust to a new lifestyle. And just because this lifestyle is different, doesn't mean it doesn't work and doesn't mean it's wrong. And doesn't mean that we're all going to suffer. Right. It does end up working. That's right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think so, so much of that is about surrender, right. And being powerless and really kind of coming to that, place of surrender that you can't control. You know, I I remember the feeling when my son went to preschool and I was like, somebody else is for the first time in his entire life, someone else is putting information into the receptacle that only I have been inputting so far. Yes. And it's the same feeling, right? When they go to kindergarten or preschool as letting them go with your ex-spouse. Uh-huh. Right. Like I can't control what's but, happening. No, but they, they are, they're okay. Yeah. They're okay. And you, you can be okay too. And what would you say to the women whose ex-spouses maybe are, have been abusive to them? Um, you know, maybe like the, their, their fear is, 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 is genuine, right? Like, are they, are they going to be okay? We hope that they're going to be okay. And we can't know 100% with anyone, you know, really, are they going to be okay driving in my friend's car? I don't know, you know, and do we take all legal precautions necessary to keep our kids safe? Yes, absolutely. And if there are those abusive things going on, we make sure we, we try our best to put stop, stop gaps in the way of that as much as we can, but 100%, we can't know for sure. And there is some sort of like, letting go. Yeah, right. It's this, and it's, it is that, that letting go and surrendering to um, the unknown and that they have their own journey. Yeah. And that it's likely, could that abuse have happened if you were married? Maybe. That's right. 
probably likely if it were already happening when you were married, then it could happen again. And and are you mitigating that by not being abused also and Mm -hmm. by keeping that abuse away from your children? And I know it seems scary to leave, but is the alternative staying together a better one with less violence or, or is it possible that there's less violence apart? That's right. So this, this sort of connective pair, the opposite of this connective parenting that you're talking about is the punitive, what else? It's, uh, it's, you know, power over, right? Yeah. Shame. Why is that bad for kids? Like, you know, you've got those people who were like, that's how kids learn. (laughs) Yeah. If you slap him, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of research around why it's bad. And, but the, the big things that come up, I mean, well, yelling in particular, which a lot of us do a lot of yelling, um, yelling changes the way in which your brain is formed and it keeps your alert center, your amygdala on high alert. And so if you yell a lot, or there's a lot of conflict, or there's a lot of, you know, if your kid's living in fight, flight, or freeze a lot, because they're being yelled at, they're being punished, you know, they're being shamed then their amygdala takes up a big portion of their brain and they're living in fight, flight, or freeze. And if you live in fight, fight, flight, or freeze, you can't really think well because your prefrontal cortex, your reasoning center, your thinking center isn't engaged because you're living in your amygdala. So that's a huge part of a kid can't relax if they know they're going to be punished, if they know they're going to be yelled at, if they're being yelled at, if they're being punished, if they're being shamed, they cannot relax. So they can't think well, so they can't use their entire brain. So you're actually keeping them from learning and you're keeping them from engaging in the world completely. If you're using these methods, I think that's the biggest reason. When you respond with empathy and um, with connectivity, you are actually increasing the the building of the prefrontal cortex or whatever the blood supply the you right. know the nerve it's, it's being used <laughs> right yeah. exactly and yeah. you know the prefrontal cortex is not is not fully formed until we're about 25 right and so the more energy and like neurons we can be shooting into the prefrontal cortex as we grow the better right yeah and there's something called pruning that goes on in um, teenage and adolescence years. And what happens with pruning is that the neurons that aren't really being used much get pruned. And so if your amygdala, your alert center is being used a lot, the, the pruning is not going to happen there. <laughs> They're going to say, preserve amygdala. It's being used. We need it. So we're going to put all of our energy and time and, and you know resources into the amygdala. And I don't know, but could the prefrontal cortex get some pruning if it's not used that much? I don't know, but I don't want to risk that. I want my kid to be able to think. That's well. right. That's right. And so the amygdala, just just so we're clear, is the the amygdala is the is the you know what we call the lizard brain, the fight, flight, freeze. It is like the trauma center of the brain. And when the amygdala is activated, the prefrontal cortex basically goes to sleep. <laughs> yeah, disengages completely. You can't reason right when you're in uh you know when there's a bear coming to attack you you're not going to sit there and go hmm i wonder if i should run or if i should right you're you it's the the response is adrenaline right and the prefrontal cortex when it's online there's there's it is responsible for reason empathy executive function yeah judgment mm-hmm. all of those things yeah 
everything that's good. It's the good part. It's where we want to live, where we have a but we all have a hard time living there, right? Because we can't live there all the time, right? Because we need our alert center when the bear's coming. We need to let go of reason and just run. And we need it, but we don't want it to be, you know, overactive. And if a child is being shamed or punished or yelled at or, you know, otherwise treated unkindly, they might live too much in their amygdala. So that's why we want to get rid of it. And it doesn't make you feel good. And it doesn't make us feel good to do it to our kids. I know that. I never feel good when I yell or ashamed. It doesn't feel good. And and 80% of what children learn is what's modeled. And so you're really teaching your kid how to shame, or you're teaching your kid how to punish, or you're teaching your kid, if you don't get what you want, honey, when you get older, you should yell at people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So look, we all lose our shit, right? Yeah. For sure. Me too. I was a huge yeller. Yeah. Years. You say that you're a recovering yeller. Right here. Still recovering. Yeah. So what, so what happens? Like even, even you, right? The, the expert on this, the right, you, even you lose your shit. What happens in those moments for you? I've done a lot of identifying for me. I get this like physiologically, like I get hot in my chest and I, my heart starts to really beat, beat in my chest. I don't know if you can feel that too, but, and I, I get, I see red. I almost just see red. I go immediately to, you know, fight. And um, if I don't stop myself right there, I know now that's where I need to stop myself. I need to walk away. I need to like try to self-regulate. But if I don't stop myself right there, I'm on a freight train and I'm going to make you feel as bad as I need to make you feel because I'm having an adverse reaction to whatever you're doing and I'm going to make you pay. And I cannot get off that freight train. So I, what I've identified now is that when I feel that I have to stop, I have to walk away. I have to find a mantra. I have to do something, but that physiologically, that's what happens. Interesting. I love, I, lo- I love that idea, the identification that like, that you, ha- they're going to have to pay. Oh, they will. I'll get on the train. I'm not getting off till I get to the station. Yeah. And then, so what happens? Like, so you've gotten to that station and then you're like, oops. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like total complete guilt, which I hate because then it get I'm out of my prefrontal cortex again, and I'm living in shame and guilt and I can't think well, but I need to apologize. And I know that, and I need to get there and I need to say, I am wrong. And I, this is a distinction too. I think with some parents, some parents will say, I'm really sorry, but you made me upset. Uh- or I'm really sorry, but when you do that, I get really angry. Right. I'm really sorry. Even under the, even if it's like really like meant to be self-aware and taking responsibility, right? I'm really sorry, but when you did that, you know, I get triggered. <laughs> right. I'm really sorry, but it's your fault, <laughs> basically. So I really try to say, I am so sorry. Nobody should ever yell at you like that. That is not an acceptable behavior. And I am deeply sorry. Period. That's it. That's it. And I try to move forward because, you know, you can get caught in your own guilt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do your, what do your kids say to you when you say that? They're really receptive. Yeah. It's okay, mom. I know. Yeah, right. It's amazing, right? It's amazing what happens when you take responsibility with your kids. They're like, yeah. they're so relieved. Yeah. I think they are because they're they're probably thinking it's all their fault, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right. They do because that's what their brains, right? That's like a child's brain. It's, it's all about them. Yeah. Yeah. Everything we do is because mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. 
Do you have any other sort of words of wisdom or advice for, for women who are really sort of on the precipice of divorce or going through divorce with a parent that they're really, they have different styles of parenting? Yeah, it's okay. It's so okay. It's more than okay. I have to say I parenting alone for me is so much better and easier than parenting closely with a partner because I am so grounded in what I want to do and how I want to do it. And the relationship with I focus, I gave up partially the relationship I share with my ex-husband. I gave that relationship up to focus on the relationship I share with my girls. I, in fact, think the relationship I share with my girls is better because I got divorced. That is so profound. And I so wholeheartedly agree. I feel exactly the same way. I feel exactly because I was constantly functioning in reaction to his sort of domineering parenting and then being yelled at for not, you know, having his back or whatever. And when I left, I was able to, I was actually able to parent not in reaction to someone else's parenting, but actually on my own. Yeah. And you, you don't realize how much time and effort and energy you're spending on your relationship with your your love relationship that it takes especially if it's on the mm-hmm. rocks you're spending so much energy there that your kids are kind of like they're not necessarily getting all of you that they could be getting if you only had to focus on them that's right michelle thank you so much for coming on and sharing this this conversation it's so it's got it's so important it's just so important that we all do this differently than it was done yeah. to us, right? Yeah, and it feels so much better when we mm-hmm. do. Yeah, I feel like talking to you is like a it's like a warm bath. It's just oh yeah, I like that. Thank you. <laughs> where can, that's so yeah, sweet. Where can people find you? I'm peace and parenting everywhere. Um, Facebook. Uh, LinkedIn, Instagram. I have my biggest following and where I have my most interaction is Instagram. And my website is peaceandparentingla.com. And I do um, you know, private coaching and online courses and lots of free stuff. And I have my own podcast too. Awesome. Which we will be on. A, we will have another conversation. In a yeah. Minute. You're coming on, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't wait. Thank you so much. I so, so appreciate you sharing all of this wisdom and information with my people. Thank you. And there's life after divorce. There is, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> and and sometimes is. a better one. <laughs> mostly, mostly a better one. <laughs> a better one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Kate. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at The Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.